You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter over at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code ALSFLIGHTDECK10. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com, use the promo code, get yourself some great merch, and always remember to support local. Have you ever missed a show with the Alouette's Flight Deck? Well, no need to worry. You can head over to our homepage at alouettesflightdeck.ca and check out the entire archive, all eight, excuse me, seven plus seasons, because we're in over in season eight, uh, and check it out there. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at Alouette's Flight Deck Pod, Instagram at Alouette's Flight Deck, uh, YouTube over at Alouette's Flight Deck also. And uh, do not forget, if you head over to our store and grab some merch, you can do so by heading over to teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck, where you can, hey, if you haven't, you still can pick up the best-selling shirt of all time of our store. That's the Cartoon 56 Bird t- excuse me, Cartoon Bird 56 t-shirt. Uh I'm I'm waiting to to get a group of us together at Stadium Cliff and all of us be wearing that shirt and all of us we'll be using the hashtag the birds of word, buddy. Mm-hmm. My goodness. That would be a that would be a real flock, wouldn't it? Oh yes. Yes. Yes, it yes it would. Um, <laughs> a, a a cartoon bird flock, as it were. Yes. Yes, sir. So Cliff, you were teasing it, obviously on social media, who we were gonna have this week on the show. Um, I'm curious to know if anybody who get, who gets the reference. I'm curious to know if if the if our guest this week got the reference. If he if he would happen to see it, because it's such an iconic movie. But we do have a, a very special guest this week. First time on the podcast. Who do we have, Cliff? Up and coming huh. rising star. Yeah, none other than the Big Mac, Austin Mac. So we will get to that conversation a little bit later on in the show, but uh, hope you guys stay tuned. So um, have you dried out? Because that was interesting, an interesting, interesting 4th, excuse me, uh, July 1st. You know, not the best way to celebrate our first ever uh, Canada Day hosting at home. But uh, yeah, so... How long did it take you to dry out? I mean, did did your significant other have to hang you over a hang you over a uh, a chair so you would dry out in the sun, or uh, did you get the hair dryer or air conditioning? You know, what did you do to get to to get all dried out? Oh my gosh, I I, I kind of felt like you just had to throw everything in the dryer, but uh, or just wring everything out. That's oh, that, yeah. that's usually a pretty good way to. You know, my gosh, it was. Uh, the 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 weather gods were not kind to the the city of Montreal to Percival Molson Stadium or to either football team this past Saturday as we were hit with a deluge of inclement weather mm-hmm. and it, it 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 was tough but I mean, I'm I'm very thankful that where we sit we have that overhang so I mean by and large we were dry but I mean once once you get into the stadium and once you get out of the stadium that's when you just get hit and you're just yeah soaked head from toe. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us expect that game to be delayed an hour and forty-two minutes. But I guess on the plus side, you know, this this wasn't a, a repeat of the, of the Saskatchewan game, you know, a few years back. The inf- the infamous asterisk game, I think, is I know you at least you and I call it. Um, the game kicked off. It didn't seem that there were going to be any rules of sort of where it wasn't going to be kick- kicking off. So, but we le- we did learn some things. Though. We did learn some things. A don't stay in the main concourse downstairs. Because yes, sure, you get to be very, very close with your with your fellow fan, uh, but it's just just too damn hot, <laughs> and there really isn't anywhere to stand. You did the best. No. Th- you did the best thing. Head upstairs to the upper. If well, because we're on that side of the stadium, but head upstairs to the to the upper deck concourse. It was perfect. Yeah, just a, a little bit more more breathing room, li- figuratively and literally, because mm-hmm. it was more open air. So yeah. Uh, down in the lower concourse, you're, you're basically packed like sardines. And truly, truthfully, I'm like, why would you keep letting people in? That's the other thing too. Is that okay? It's a delay and a, a league mandated delay. Like you could have just told people like, don't go in yet, because really, I mean, there's wasn't really a whole lot of place to take shelter. And as I said, you're, you're basically squished in there uh, along those concourses, which unfortunately are not the same as uh, what they are out at IG Field in Winnipeg or even Mosaic Stadium in Saskatchewan. Like those are some immense concourses in, in Montreal. Unfortunately, yeah, it's just you're, you're trying to fit like 15,000 people in a space that's probably meant for 5,000, if that. Mm-hmm. No, it, not, it, not, not not ideal. So yeah, going upstairs uh, to the uh, the other concourse, uh, at least. It's a little more open air and a little more breathing room. So, yeah, it, it was ultimately the, the better decision. Uh, you Actually, you brought it up, and I'm just curious to know your thought. You know, uh, after uh, reaching out to a, a local uh, fellow media member, I uh, was able to find out that, you know, it was just over 15,000 that was announced by the— And obviously, that wasn't that we, that, well, there wasn't 15,000 butts in the stands, obviously, because it was because of— uh, you know what the weather ended up being, but in your opinion, for the fifteen thousand people that showed up, I mean, or that were going to be there, do you think that the weather played a a, a factor in there not being more, or do you think it it, it was a, a sort of a I don't want to say a letdown, just the difference between the opener and OLP and it, this game being on Canada Day and having to deal with the weather. I think the le- the weather was the determining factor more than anything else because I, I wanted to believe that there was probably would have been a lot more people showing up, especially if it was a nice evening, like even just even overcast. I think you still would have gotten more people out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the weather was so wacky throughout the entire day. Like it would rain, it would stop, it would be hot and sunny, rain some more, and then we got the thunder, and then we got lightning, and that just. It, I mean, it, I'm sure it put a damper on a lot of people's candidate plans, but uh, if, if you were expecting to get another 20,000 plus at uh, Molson Stadium and had the weather been nice, had it been a nice sunny day on, on this last Saturday, maybe just maybe there would have been enough of a walk up crowd to make it an official you know, uh, closer to that 20,000 as opposed to the 15,000 that was announced. But I mean, weather sometimes does play a factor. I mean. As they say, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. Yeah, exactly. A few, uh, a few other gripes for me, uh, you know, when it came to the game, it's or, or basically what what it was at the stadium. You know, uh, you know, when we were downstairs originally on the concourse, um, you know, we had the the TVs that were there. That was a, basically a mirror image of what it was on the on the scoreboard. Uh, excuse me, on the, on the video boards. So we were able to see if you know what 
if it wasn't showing up on social media, we we're able to see what the what the delay was going to be. I know that I think it was moved a couple of times. I actually and I'm, I actually nailed it, by the way. I, and as as you know, you know they were talking about seven ten, seven fifteen, seven. It's like you know you saw, and I showed you when we were there is that we looked at the radar at the time. There was no way. There was no way they were going to kick off anywhere close to eight o'clock. So I was pretty spot on with them kicking off, you know, just just shy of 9 p.m. Um, mm. But the the thing that kind of irked me was, yes, that's there. And, you know, we moved upstairs. There were no screens, so you couldn't see them. But also, and, and I think this is just a, I don't know what it was on the other side of the stadium and what it was like there. But because of the way that the sound system is at Percival Molson, you can't hear squat in the concourses at all. Mm. So no matter how much they were trying to give us updates over the spe- of the loudspeakers, it didn't matter because we couldn't hear it. Yeah, you know at all. So it was ki- kind of useless. It's, it's it's not you know thank God again thank God for those screens because we yeah. wouldn't have known anything. No, that's it. And even though the the Alouette's Twitter account was trying to keep things updated as well as as, as well as the CFL's uh, Twitter account. Yep, props. Yep, I'll give them props. Yep. I mean, still, you're you're. I mean, it wasn't nearly as quickly as what most people would have liked. I mean, because even people were DMing me that were wa- going to be watching the game on TV. And it's like, mm-hmm. what's the word? What's the word? Do you know what's happening? What's going on? And you know, you know as much as I do, unfortunately. That's the, that's the reality. Sometimes you just you can't get the news fast enough. And you know, credit to the team and to the league for doing their best, provide as many updates as possible. Exactly. But yeah, it was, just, it was just a weird evening when it came to the weather. I mean, it was kind of a bit un- unprecedented in the sense that the game hadn't started yet. So a lot of people even asked, like, are they even going to bother playing the game? Like, can they cancel the game? Like, well, technically, no, you can't cancel the game because you haven't played the game. You so started it's, it, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they so, could, sure, they could have pushed it to Sunday. But, I mean, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. And, and it's funny, even the Alouettes, again, props to the Alouettes uh, brass by, by saying yes we are going to play. And I think that was around 8.15-ish where they actually stated that. So they're, they're, it's c- kind of quashed the rumors that, that seem to have been circling because I, too, was asked, were they going to play the game? I've been hearing it's, you know, it's going to be canceled, da-da-da-da. You know, props to the Alouettes for quashing that immediately. Immediately to say that, yes, we are going to play this game no matter what. So Yeah. No, although, let's, let's be honest, after what we saw in the field, maybe we could have been okay with settling with a tie yeah. with Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, something, something. One last, And before we get to the game, one last thing I wanted, because uh, it's kind of a hold, over, a hold over from the home opener, Cliff, is that, you know, they still had the, um, they've still had that, that video board in this, in this, where the beer garden is located, where the stage was for OLP. And as you remember... The scoreboard, the video board was placed in such a way where you couldn't see the scoreboard at that side of at that, that side of the stadium. It was still in the exact same spot. You still couldn't see that part of the stadium, that, that part of the scoreboard. Yeah. And I, I think mean, it's I, I think it's something that the that the team needs. They need to push that thing back. They've had it pushed back farther before in years past. And yes, oh yes, I get it. It's Tim. Well, you can just watch just watch the markers. But if you want to see specifics, you know what I mean. It's they're at the other end of the field. It's a little bit harder to see the first and ten markers. Mm. So I think the, what the Alouettes need to do is they need to actually push this thing back, or if they're going to keep it, or if they're going to remove it, I don't know what, because obviously that's not a permanent thing at the stadium. But they, they have to do something because you know where where we are at that end, it would be nice to see the you know the other scoreboards at, that we're looking at in there in the stadium don't have that uh, that don't have that listed. So um, that that was my I think that was my only only other gripe. Uh, the plus though, and it leads up to it leads us up to the game is what. And I know you're not a you're not a you're not a unifile really. 
What did you think of those new third jerseys, man? You know, we weren't sure about what they were going to look like based, I mean, in person based on the pictures. You know, they looked, they looked a little bright, a little bit more reddish than we thought they were going to be. But then we got there and actually got to see them on field and got to see what the, uh, what the replicas were going to look like. I got to admit, dude, those red, new red jerseys are really, really sharp. Oh, 100%. They, they really do look nice. And the fans have really taken to them. I, I remember going over to the, uh, the concession area where they where they actually sell the uh, the made the, the the customized jerseys, mm-hmm. and you can see like orders upon order. They even stopped taking orders at one point. Like you, you figure, okay, well, with a rain delay or a lightning delay, like a weather delay, let's call it that. You think, okay, that would be the time to go. Like if you wanted to go get your new jersey and and get it customized, that was the time to do it. But they they were so overwhelmed with orders that they had to stop taking customized orders. Like you could buy the jersey blank if you wanted to, but uh, if you wanted to get it customized wasn't going to happen that like it was it just had too many orders so <laughs> are you surprised so that, 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 that that tells me though that you know obviously the fans really responded to these jerseys uh not just you know and, and seeing them on the field too as you said yeah they're not quite as red as they looked on in the, in the photos so I, don't, I have to wonder if the photos were doctored just a little bit to really make them pop mm-hmm. but i have to say the red looks really really nice it, it, it's definitely a good look and yeah i mean alouette's fans definitely you know i could i definitely see them snapping them up and it's it makes me wonder too if uh they, they said they're going to play two games one the canada day game and another game in these red jerseys i have to wonder you think maybe they would maybe go for one more one more game in, in those red jerseys guess we'll find out yeah, exactly. I, I was always thinking, you know, maybe Thanksgiving or something like that. And, or, or, you know, because Thanksgiving is, it is, you know, Thanksgiving Day game is our game. That's, you know, that's, that's our tradition and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with these. Maybe they'll switch, switch up the, the look a little bit, you know, maybe bring, use the blue pants with the jersey. I'd be curious to see what that combo looks like. Will they use the red, the red pants on the road? I don't know if they can because of, I, I can't remember what the striping is on the side of the uh, of the away jerseys. If it's all white, yeah, sure, that might look pretty nice too. But uh, so many, so many chance, so many options, and um, I, what you know, I'm very surprised though that they didn't actually pre-print some jerseys for for the more known players i know it's hard this year i mean sure if, if gino had been on the team i'm sure maybe that they would have made a bunch of them i mean or even Standback. i'm very surprised that they didn't actually already have ones already pre-made so but you know it was day one it was day one let's see what they you know see what Corey and the guys do or the boutique shop um going forward when it comes to these jerseys because uh i'm curious to know if these are going to become a part of our daily routine so we'll see um again Plus, is a lot of negatives. So, oh, you know, we're talking about the weather. Uh, weather was pretty good, basically, for the first half. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know, they did made the uh, the halftime only 10 minutes long versus the 15. Um, uh, props to them, by the way. I think they were supposed to have an actual singer do the national anthem. And at one point, they were stating, you know, no entrances, uh, you know, no no national anthem, et cetera. But, you know, props to them. They still lined everybody up, had the national anthem there on, on Canada Day. Um, but... From there, it started off well, uh, but yeah, and then that one missed field goal to start off the game for the Alouettes, and nothing basically until the fourth <laughs> until the fourth quarter. Yeah, just a, a a really rough go for the Alouettes, and again, the with final score being uh, Winnipeg winning seventeen to three, I think that score more or less flatters the Alouettes when you think about it, because I mean. For for the Alouettes defense to only allow seventeen points, mm-hmm. and truthfully, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 
I'm at a loss for words when it comes to this offense because the defense still did their job for the most part. I mean, yes, they they allowed more points and than than what the offense did, but uh, I mean, this defense still by and large hung very well against the three-time Western nominee or, or representative of the Great Cup. I mean, that's no small feat as far as I'm concerned because Winnipeg still looks like they are very much the team to beat in the Canadian Football League and. To only hold to hold them to 17 points, really, even though they were missing a lot of starters too. Like Zach Caleros, when he's when he's motivated and he's on a mission, and I, I feel like he has been this season, he's still very dangerous and still someone that who can definitely cause a lot of havoc on on a football team. But credit to this defense, that they, they they hung tough. Probably spent a little bit too much time on the field, which yeah. was expected because, as I said, the offense did. Jack squat, quite frankly, uh, for 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 this defense to hang in there against this team, I have to give them a lot, a lot of credit. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you, you can look at the stats alone. I mean, and I know you say seventeen. I think the seventeen to three score is actually a little misleading. You know, people are saying, "Well, you know, uh, Winnipeg dominated." No, they really didn't. They're, as you said, the, the defense really held their own against uh, against this Winnipeg uh, offense. I mean, uh, the difference in yardage, overall yardage, was was thirteen yards. Cliff three fifty to three thirty seven. They held their own, but the problem is. The Owls had chances to score, and they either squandered them, missed field goals, or way too many fumbles in the second half. But I think one of the main things I think that really turned the game on its head was basically that 14-point 14, 14 swing. After the Alouettes had a great drive, uh, I think it was the catch to, to KJG, if I'm not mistaken. And then Zach throws his... Excuse me. Yeah, sorry, Cody throws his very first interception of the year with us inside the twenty. That's and then and then Winnipeg scores. So it was a, basically a fourteen point swing right there. And there's your difference. There's your difference, oh, really. Yeah, and that was the thing. It's just Montreal had plenty of opportunities to score to make make plays happen. And when they made plays happen, they were outstanding. I, I mean, you, you talk about that incredible. I think it was a sixty nine yard bomb to KJG absolutely outstanding and just got everybody excited. And finally it's like, okay, they finally got it figured out. They've, they're, they're going to do something here. And <laughs> almost immediately Cody Fajardo throws into, it looked like triple coverage actually. Like there's nothing but white jerseys being thrown. So I have to ask you, what the heck was he looking at? He missed I mean, the he, read. He missed the read. There were two defenders there, at least from, from what I saw. Uh, and I don't know if it was, if it was the receiver that ran the wrong route or they're supposed to come back to the ball, but either way it, it was just, it, the, it almost it, it wasn't there. It almost felt like he it, it felt like he underthrew the ball too. Like yeah, just the I way, agree. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of yeah, just ducked down at the worst possible time and just right into the arms of Brandon Alexander, uh, who who took it back sixty two yards. So all that great yardage that they got on the, and that absolute dime from Cody to Kayon Julian Grant, almost all that yardage right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's. It, it just really wasn't going well. As I said, we had a couple of nice passes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, KJ, uh, yeah, 69 yards for KJJ. That was his longest. Also, that that gorgeous one to Austin Mack, too. Um, it, it was a frustrating day, to say the least. I mean, Cody, 17 to 27, 270 yards, one interception, um, you know, Zach, Claris wasn't much better. I mean, but is their running game? I mean, he was fifteen to twenty-three for one seventy-seven, had an interception and two touchdowns. So, and it's funny too because both running backs, both Brady Oliveira and William Stanback, both looked 
really good. Uh, Oliveira, especially, he was just like trying to tackle a bowling ball. It, was, mm-hmm. it just wasn't going to happen. But he too fumbled uh, at at one point. Uh, Stanback fumbled. I mean, it was yeah. Stanback fumbling. That's that's such a rarity, a rarity in itself. But I mean, it's if, if you saw the play, they. I don't know. Again, again, one thing I did notice specific about it too about Cody is that he doesn't. He I guess he, he doesn't wear gloves when it's raining. And it makes me wonder if the ball was slick. Same thing with, with Stanbeck, if the ball was slick. Same thing for when Mac fumbled. What was the ball? Was it slick? It, it certainly had to be. Again, and can't use it as an excuse because the ball was slick for uh, Winnipeg as well. And uh, again, Zach Caleros too. He threw a, an interception. I mean, it was just you know a terrible bounce that went the Alouettes way. But uh, again, it, both quarterbacks looked average, quite frankly. And yeah. Uh, it's surprising because I mean, like they're both considered uh, top tier quarterbacks by and large, and especially this year, they both have been playing pretty outstanding football, all things considered. But yeah, the just throwing a bunch of rain and that's, that's how you make your quarterbacks look well mid. Yeah. And that's really what it was. They, they looked mid both, both Caleros and Fajardo. Yeah, exactly. But by the way, and I know some people have been ragging on the field and saying, Oh, well it's, you know, 10, 11 years old since we've had a new, our, our new field installed over personal Molson. The field did an amazing job. The field was able to, you know, the the water was draining off the field properly. There didn't seem to be any, any, you know, like we've seen on television before. Where, uh, you know, the infamous Steelers-Miami game in Miami where it was just a giant, it looked like a giant mini pool. It wasn't like that at Percival Molson. So the, the field seemed to be in pretty good condition no matter how hard the rain was coming down. It was just a combination of things where we had a lot more turnovers at the at the worst time. But mm-hmm. you also can't, you also can't, you can't let it go by the very questionable calls by the zebras. I mean, come on. There's a few of them, and yeah, it, the fact that the Alouettes had to burn one of their their well, they had to burn their challenge uh, in order to contest uh, pass interference, which I, I'm sorry was it's ticky tack at best, really. But uh, you know, and then and, there was and, the OPI in Austin Mack on a great yeah. pass, which yeah, in, in, in itself seemed to be that he was coming back to the ball. Yeah, and even the touchdown that he had inadvertently dropped as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, like, it, I, I guess they're gonna. the conclusion was that he didn't survive contact with the ground, but I, I have to believe it, there, there may have been some interference on that as well. But again, the fact that we couldn't use a challenge makes it really hard. And even well, those that were, sp- but, but remember, though, that's the one that was overturned. But of all ones, that was the one that was overturned by the command center. Go figure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, K. and Julian Grant set a set a career high six receptions on six targets. Cliff, 129 yards, led the team. Austin Mack, second second leading receiver, six receptions on 11 targets, 115 yards. Everybody beyond that had less than 10, which bodes the question, Cliff. Do we? Have- do we have a third receiver? Because if they start covering KJG and, and Austin Mack, you know, double, triple coverage, whatever they're going to do, you know, the type of stuff that they would do with Geno, who are they going to go to? Because there's been some interesting changes to the practice roster this past week. Um, does it concern you that these seem to be the only two guys as of late? I mean, again, Austin Mack has been such a superstar, such a superstar. He really has. And, uh, KGG, we know we we know what he's been all about for the past couple of seasons. So that that's literally no surprise there. That the fact that Cody's been able to have that sort of uh, chemistry right away with both of those guys is phenomenal. But 
yeah, ideally, though, you want to be trying to find more receivers and not just uh, quick screens uh, or checkdowns to your, your running backs either. Uh, but yeah, ideally, if, if you're going to see both Mac and Julian Grant get uh, double coverage or you know, one or both of them getting double coverage, then who, who's who's up next? And yeah, you've got Herjie Maiella, you've got uh, Cole Speaker, you've got uh, Jake Hardy. I, I mean, these are guys that can catch footballs as well. Yeah. Having uh, Fletch back was great, by the way. Walter Fletcher back in the backfield, having him—that was, but but it, it was was con, what was frustrating is that you know Cody was leading the second leading uh, rusher on the team this week. Stambeck, yeah. you know, he, he did look good, but I mean, it seemed, most of it seemed to be in the second half. I mean, he only had forty-two yards. He did average five point three yards a carry. Walter was in there too, but yeah, man, it's. Again, it seemed to be our strength in the past when it came to. Especially, we we had we remember the game. It was a thing. I think it was a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day game, and uh, Stanbeck went off. I think it was versus Edmonton, and went off, raining, mm-hmm. but went off. Uh, it, it just wasn't the fact this time around. Yeah, and also too, uh, C- Cody Fajardo. I mean, yeah, it's it's very telling when your your quarterback is the second leading rusher on the team. That that shouldn't be. That that tells me that he's not getting protection. He, he the, the pocket is once again collapsing around him. And I, I joked last year when he was with the Rough Riders that Cajardo must be a Latin word for run for your effing life because that's exactly what he was doing last year. And we're starting to see that again. And while it's great that he's able to move the chains and he had some really, really nice runs, but at the same time, I, I get the sense that there's a little bit of panic in a lot of his uh, – you know, in a lot of those pocket collapses and even running into other players like and you're not going to get that far. And there was a lot of times, too, where Winnipeg was just able to double triple team mm-hmm. and just get to him immediately and snuffing out any possibility of moving the ball forward. And once again, where is the O-line? What What's going on? Like, I've been, yeah. I've been touting that if, if that was the real reason why Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss didn't look good last year in Saskatchewan it was because of the fact that their O-line, quite frankly, sucked. And I said, like, okay, just just coming here to Montreal, they're going to be productive simply based on the fact that that O line in Montreal is ten times better than anything they had out in Saskatchewan. But this year, they have been, quite frankly, proving me wrong because I I'm just not seeing that kind of protection. I'm not seeing like they are helping him for the most part, but there is so way too many times where everything just falls apart around Fajardo and he's getting sacked and sacked and sacked. I think he's now up to 15 sacks. I think it's the second, yeah, I think it's the second most in the CFL so far. Yeah. I mean, uh, f- f- getting sa- an average of five sacks per game is not a good look no, at all. No. And, and I think, you know, week one, Stanbeck said, you know, they were on him because he didn't miss a lot of his reads. I, yeah, I just don't know what it was. Cody was, he was uh, annoyed. He was rushed. He was pushed. He was sacked. It, Again, it's you know it, it just you know he's able to to get out of the pocket and make something happen. But the, again, we can't have Cody being sacked this many times this year, and God forbid he gets hurt. They got to do something. But um, yeah, it, but it also didn't help too, dude. Is that you know going into the game, the, you know we we had a very bad week when it came to practice for the uh, for the defense because we were missing two of our top two guys uh, in the backfield, and I, I think it really did show. Uh, you know, you know, it, trying to bring somebody. Yeah, I understand. It's usually the next guy up that that you need to be able to to adjust and whatnot. But it just seemed again, even though the Owls gave up seventeen points, it was v- very obvious. Look at the rushing yards, you know, and, and look what, how the, the touchdowns were scored. It, it really would have helped if we had these guys 
uh, in the backfield. But I mean, again, it's a game to game thing, which I get. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice. You're, you're you're not wrong, but at the same time, it, it still is worth noting that this uh, essentially, uh, what do you call it? Uh, B level defense mm-hmm. still managed to hold down Winnipeg to 17 points. I mean, but th- people were expecting Winnipeg to come in pissed off at the fact that they got embarrassed by the BC Lions the week before and expected to take it out on the Alouettes. And yeah, they looked good for the most part, but I mean. Quite frankly, Winnipeg should have been able to score more than 17 points on this defense, and they couldn't. So that that tells me right there that despite the fact that a lot of the starters were missing from the defense and still you got guys that are kind of still learning their way in the Canadian Football League, to be able to hold Winnipeg, who I, I still, I, as I said, is one of the top-tier teams in this league, to a mere 17 points is still something that's nothing short of phenomenal. Like, to me, to me that's... That's a win in a way. I mean, it doesn't show up in the standings or anything like that. <laughs> and I guarantee they'll say, it, like, well, no, it's not a win. But trust me, to be able to hold a team like Winnipeg to 17 points is very, very impressive. Oh, no, no. I, I, again, I, I agree. But obviously things need to improve, especially with them heading out west this week and going to BC. Obviously, we know that there are some issues currently on the BC side of the offense, you know, especially with how, uh, you know, with, with what Vernon Adams did this past week versus uh, versus Toronto and just the, you know, the, the interceptions galore. But and obviously the Yalowitz, you know, history going out to BC. That some changes will have to be made, obviously, but so far through practice from what we've seen, we got two of the four people back that were on the one game. But we'll, we'll preview that in a, in a couple of minutes here. But um, last thoughts before we get to our interview, because uh, we got a good one, obviously, uh, with with uh, up and coming up and coming superstar, little Big Mac, Austin Mac. Any last thoughts? Oh. Yeah, definitely looking forward to talking to Austin Mack. Uh, as he, said, he he has really shown up and shown out this year so far. Again, only three games in, he's already looking like a seasoned veteran. And uh, again, this the, this guy has lived up to the hype. I, I was excited, as I said uh, in training camp, that oh, so former San Francisco 49er. Okay, well, obviously he's going to be good. Let's see. Let's see what he's got. And has not looked out of place. Has not looked lost. That's the thing is that. Some of these American receivers come in, and it takes time for them to get used to the waggle, get used to the motion. Uh, I mean, there's it's it's there's a lot of little things that they need to get used to in the Canadian Football League. But Austin Mack has taken to this game like a duck to water. It, it's fantastic to see, and definitely really excited to talk to him about this. Um, as far as final thoughts for the game, I mean, it's unfortunate, really. I mean, I I, I was expecting a lot more from the Alouettes, and just those back-breaking drives. As I said, like they, they would make great progress. They would get plays going that would get people out, out of their seats and excited and then just turn the ball right over to, to, to Winnipeg. And Winnipeg didn't have to do very much to win this game. And that's the unfortunate part is the Alouettes could have at least, if they were able to score one or two touchdowns, totally different game. But it just felt like they took every lucky break they had and broke it in half. And that's the frustrating part. Like, thankfully, at least they weren't shut out. I, 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 I that would be the ultimate embarrassment, I think, to be shut out at home, mm-hmm. you know, in front of, which in front has of your hometown to, fan. Which hasn't happened, by the way, since 1982. That's how long it's been. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. But uh, it's it sounds awful to say that you, you're just relieved that the Alouettes were at least able to get one David Cote field goal. Uh, yeah, also not Cote's best night either, missing missing that first one. Uh, I was that, very surprised. That's what started it too, man. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually truly surprised too that the the Bombers didn't try for more field goals as well. But you know, Sergio Castillo, I only had one, and then that broken down play <laughs> trying to score another field goal, and that just went nowhere fast. It was, as I said, this was a very bizarre night. I think for both teams really, and I think Winnipeg kind of considered themselves very fortunate to get out of Montreal with the W. You know, and props to them for doing so. I mean, that as I said, the 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 defense for for the Elowitz kept the Blue Bombers honest, and, and all Winnipeg had to do was just not make too many... They, they made less mistakes than the Alouettes, and that's the reason why they won this game. And my hope is that this loss stings just a little bit for the Alouettes and gives them teachable moments so that they know what to do and not to squander any more opportunities. And they're going to have a pretty big test going up, up against the BC Lions because kind of like how the Blue Bombers came in pissed off that they got embarrassed by the Lions and took it out in the Alouettes, so to speak... I can't help but wonder if the BC Lions, who had their butts handed to them by the Toronto Argonauts a couple days ago, I can't. I, I gotta imagine they're going to be pissed off as well and embarrassed and want to take it out on the Alouettes. So, well, I would, I, hope about, this, I would hope the Owls would go into this game pissed off too, because they kind of, if you think about it, I'd be embarrassed too. So it's going to, yes. you're, you're going to have two, two, uh, two teams that are going and that are just going to be very pissed off. Two, two very pissed off teams looking for redemption, and it, it'll come down to who wants it the most and. It's going to make for a very interesting game on Sunday. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, so so true. Hey, again, we got to get to this interview, man. It was so so great to talk to with uh, with the upcoming stars for on the Alouettes and in the CFL. So, without further ado, uh, let's talk to wide receiver Austin Mack. As we try to do here on the flight deck, we try to bring in some of the players that we haven't spoken to before. Try to find out about their career and uh, and see you know see how they tick and see how they've gotten used to uh, being a, a Montreal Alouette and a part of Alouette's Nation. Uh, this week, uh, I'm really looking forward to this one because this guy has come. Uh, he's just come basically. Uh, he showed up in, in camp. He has showed up so far in the regular season, uh, and we just got to find out about you know what makes him tick. So, without further ado, on the line with us now, number eighty-one, the Big Mac himself, Austin Mac. Hey, Austin, thanks for joining us, man. Hey guys, man, appreciate you guys having me. Um, I I know it. I'm going to get a little bit further on to your football career first, because I, I know there's one thing that I had heard um, through the grapevine. I think we saw, I saw a little bit of it. So I'm, I'm going to just real quickly, I'm going to jump real quick to, uh, to your time before the Alouettes. I had heard that before you were, you decided to sign with the Alouettes that um, you took it up, uh, upon yourself to find out about the city, to find out about the history of Montreal and Montreal professional football. Is that something that you had always done in your career, or was it because of it was a new league? You wanted to decide to where you wanted to go specifically, and and, and what the what your new city was going to be like. What in particular made you? I mean, is it true? First of all, what I said, and if so, what what made you do just that? I mean, for sure, um, uh, that is true. Um, honestly, uh, the whole transition of, you know, realizing right after back-to-back seasons of being injured, uh, the likelihood of, you know, needing to try somewhere else at like a XFL, USFL, um, CFO for all of those places, right. Where I needed to eventually be and work at for me, I, I needed to know what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just couldn't, I feel like I, for myself signing up to something blindly is just, doesn't make sense right so um i definitely wanted to make sure i i, I knew what i was getting into uh 
I kind of had some just basic background understanding and knowledge, um, which is crazy though, right? Camp is not even in Montreal. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I expected, guys, the first three, what, three and a half weeks actually was a little different, but it was, um, it was, it was worth the while when we actually got to Montreal. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously we'll ask you a little bit more about camp and stuff like that and getting used to, uh, obviously, to the province and, and French Quebec and, and stuff like that. But uh, um, when it when it comes to football in your overall career, Austin, I mean, it's um, what in particular got you into football as a kid or when did you start football at first? Yeah, I started football playing around nine. Um, and, and I really just, my parents were just being, throwing me in everything. Um, they didn't really have they didn't really tie me to one thing when I was young. I was a three-sport athlete, played everything, and it was just based on the seasons, right? Football came in the fall. So um, it wasn't really until I got to high school where, um, you know, I had a really great mentor named Dre Muhammad out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, who saw me play and, and just, you know, really helped me develop my skills through high school and then helped me become the athlete that I was um, and recruit um, at the time. So, um I'd say really that's what, that's how it began, um, and then right around junior year, I, I really locked in on just football. And so, okay, uh, um, did, that's history. Yeah, was uh, did you look up to anybody in particular? Was there an athlete that that you looked up to? Was uh, a family member that may have been pushing you a little bit more towards towards football itself that made that sticks out in your mind? Uh, I, not necessarily. I just for me, like I was big in baseball and football, and I think about football as it was just so exciting like it's just so fun to be out there so like it's high pace um even though i'm from indiana it's it's, it's all about hoops but, <laughs> but i wasn't the the best the best hooper growing up man so um, i think just the excitement of the game and just going out there having fun um really is what time to it okay uh, were you always a wide receiver um yeah i i started off uh when i was young 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 you know because of the I was a little chubby kid, man. We had a weight limit. I actually played the line when I was young. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the black stripe on your head. I don't know if you guys play TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then uh, played a little quarterback and then receiver the rest of my life. So, um, oh, okay. So, you a know, a little what? bit of everything though, though in high school a little running back, a little receiver. Okay. So uh, I think, Cliff, uh, if you paid a little bit of quarterback, I'm wondering if we're going to see Austin get involved in some of those trick plays where we have him throw a, I don't know, a flea flicker, a halfback option. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to see, won't we, down the line. So, But we don't want him to spoil anything, especially what's what's currently in the playbook. So, um, <laughs> um, No, no. If there's if there's a gadget play, we don't want to know about it. We want to be surprised by it. How about that? <laughs> no me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, was was Ohio State the only university that recruited you, or were there some other universities that uh, that wanted a piece of you to come and, and play for them? Yeah, I mean, I had opportunity to go. I mean, almost anywhere. Uh, I think I ended up with like thirty five offers uh, from wow. high school. Uh, for me, uh, I want to say relatively close. I think the farthest school that I really loved was the University of Tennessee. Um, that's right around seven hours from my hometown. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else that I wanted to uh, attend was relatively in the three hour, three hour, four hour range. So, um, ended up being the Buckeyes, though, man. That sailed away. So, now I don't know if you know this or not, Austin, but there is a bit of an Alouette's connection with the Ohio State University. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Troy Smith and Devere Posey both played uh, for the Alouettes at one point in their careers. And no I think way. now, Troy did. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. 
Yeah, so that's uh, like now you are a part of a, a very elite fraternity, if you will. <laughs> DP won. Uh, he won um, the Great Cup MVP one year with uh, Toronto. That's right. He did it in uh, 2017. And, and uh, he was he was telling us all about being part of the shoe. So now I want to hear from you about your experiences uh, at the Ohio State University. Like, what was it like game day playing in the big games, like uh, against Michigan or just pretty much anywhere in the shoe? Oh, man, electrifying. Uh, I'm talking about my first time being in the shoe. It was my spring game, uh, my, my my freshman year. Urban Meyer got 100,000 100, people there for a spring game. <laughs> a spring wow. Game. Yeah. It was That's... crazy. Absolutely crazy. It, the games against Penn State, the games against Michigan, um, every year were just, I mean, they were insane. Absolutely, especially those big games, the night games, the alternate jersey games. I mean, absolutely electrifying. Uh, you know, of course, you got those noon blowouts, but outside of those, it was it was absolutely, I mean, just amazing, bro. You definitely, if you guys ever get a chance, gotta go. That's definitely Penn State, Ohio State are the two Big Ten schools. Definitely, definitely, for sure. All right. So if if we name drop that uh, we've had Austin Mack on the podcast, you think we're gonna get uh, you get that shine? <laughs> Say it again. The uh, shine. If we happen to just if we happen to get to the shoe and we go to the tailgate, we just happen to name drop Austin Mack. Oh you yeah. Think that's... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You get you'll get whatever you need. Oh, there you go. Done deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, now, when it when it comes to the receiver position, uh, did you take anything away from your time in Ohio State? Like, did, did you find that that was where you truly came into form as a receiver, as as far as the kind of receiver you want to play as a professional? Uh, no doubt, um, Brian Hartline, I think, really is the guy that helped me mold and become a professional. Um, he's the best college receiver coach in the country. Um, absolutely, absolutely elite. Played the game and helps you break down. And, the game and make it so much slower. Um, for me, it's route running. If you guys tune into my game, that's really what I, I focus on. And, and for him, it's route running is key. So um, I give a lot of kudos to him and, and helping me elevate my game to the next level. Um, I really prepared me for being a pro. All right. And then when when it came time to to step up to the pros, uh, you would end up signing as an undrafted free agent with the New York Giants uh, in 2020. Uh, also, too, uh, had to been very interesting. Your your first year as a professional, and pretty much the world is shut down because of COVID nineteen. COVID, uh, it was the, I mean, absolutely crazy. I, I don't know how it was for you guys, but for me, it was COVID in the league at the time, especially in New York. New York was shut down. It's not like it's Florida. <laughs> it was it was tough. It was it was tough. Um, but uh, absolutely, it was. I mean, it was a time in in. The, in, in the world that was just crazy so to be playing professional sports at the time it was a blessing and uh, I'm, I'm thankful to get through that time period you know no i mean to go from uh, say a hundred thousand people to a, a spring game and then you're at metlife stadium which holds i think nobody. like they and, and no playing in front of nobody that yeah that's got like that had to be kind of scary when you think about it because you're like <laughs> is anybody even watching other than the security yeah, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like practice it really felt like practice. Like you really had to come there and bring your own juice. Like it was by far. I mean, like imagine guys. Like you're coming to a game, you're trying to get hype, and then you get out there and you look out and it's just seats. 
<laughs> just see. You hear the other coaches yelling. I mean, it's so quiet in there. But, I mean, it, at the end of the day, you knew what was on stake and, and you wanted to win, and it was just fun at the end of the day. And it was it was unique, right? It was a super unique year in the in the NFL. And, um, you know, I'm just glad we got through it, you know, all, all smooth, so. <laughs> now, what with the uh, like your pro day and and the the draft process and all that, like you know, did you find because that was pretty much happening around the time when we first came to realize, oh, there's this pandemic going on. Did you find that that yeah. impeded your your potential to be drafted or or even sign with a professional team? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, my process was difficult because it came out right after um, the combine, right? So I did Senior Bowl, I did the combine, right, and. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like a few weeks after. I mean, COVID hit right away, and it was just like, boom, whoa, what's going on, right? And uh, uh, everything was just like hit or miss on if we were going to have a pro day. Eventually, got canceled, uh, which was definitely, you know, pretty pretty difficult because I definitely wanted to test again. Um, you know, everybody on the pro day flies, right? I, I know if you guys pay attention to it, it's like the combines, like you know, whatever mm-hmm. in the pro days, it's crazy. So it would have been fun to definitely retest at the at a, at a pro day. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's my journey. You know what I mean? And uh, I think God, God makes, you know, these puts these trials and tribulations in everybody's life. And regardless of what happened, you know, I think it was just super unique. You know, I came out during COVID, and at the end of the day, you know, I made it made it on the team. You know, I made it made it on the team with the, with the Giants. And for me, that, that, that's, that's just shows how much – how much it took to get really through that, you know what I mean? So, no, um, what wasn't for lack of numbers. I mean, you you ran a, a four five forty, like that's that's not bad. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely definitely could be better. Definitely could be better. Well, and and that's that's the, that's the key, right? It's just getting one percent better every day. That's the that's the mantra when when it comes to professional mm-hmm. sports. Is just getting one percent better. Like when you're in practice and even film study things like that. Is just getting one percent better every day. Yes, sir. No doubt. Like just continue trying to strive and. Uh, on one way you can get better in any type of detail so for sure as a as an athlete austin i mean we we've talked to a few who have gone through it before and um what was it like and you you know you explained a little bit of it so far but what what was it like to be an athlete during covid because they said a you're in new york you know where you know they, they took things very seriously and it's not like you, you know, you're talking about pro day. It's not like you can do your NFL combine or or your pro day on Zoom. You can't, you can't do that. So it's as an athlete, how tough was it uh, during COVID for you? I mean, I say for me, I'm, I was blessed than others. You know, I mean, for a lot of people, it was difficult. Um, a lot of things were just up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were even having a season. Uh, we did community service out in the New Jersey area, New York area, and really all the, all the boroughs and uh, none of the high schools had a season. All these seniors were, you know, talking about not being able to get filmed for their last year, not even having a season to spend. And just think about those kids, right. Who didn't have a senior year, or senior mm-hmm. season and type of memories and stuff that they went through. Um, I mean, just for the world, that was difficult. I mean, I think, I think for me, I was blessed to even be able to play football during that time. Um, I think the hardest part was we had to we had to test an hour before we walked into the building because it takes so long for the test to go through. So like every day you're you know in the building by seven, right? So you're you're in there five thirty, five, you know six a.m. testing, trying to make sure you get your test done and be able to walk into the building, uh, start your day. So that was that was definitely the probably the hardest part. Always wearing the mask, always having to do restrictions and 
the craziest thing was if you ever had a COVID violation in that season, guess how much the fine was if you, if you broke one of those regulations? Oh, boy. I remember being pretty high, but uh, what, what was the actual number? It was like 15,500 something, like four or five, like right around that, right around that range. It was crazy. Holy jeez. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you were not going to just slip up and not have your mask on. Like it was super strict, right? So, I mean, we, we had an indoor that we never used because we set it up as separated rooms for meetings and everything. We all, we always, we never, we never were able to go inside to the building. We had to basically meet outside. So, um, it was crazy. It was a crazy time for sure in New York. Did you uh, did you did, did you ever get used to uh, the 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 nasal swab testing ever? <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> the, the brain tickler. <laughs> yeah, brain tickler. Just, I, I mean, you just you just were immune to it at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, I had so many tests. It's crazy. Wow. Oh man. Well. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, like, like okay, we, we were, we're watching at home. I mean, we couldn't go to the games. We couldn't uh, participate. I mean, hell, even up here, like, the CFL had canceled the 2020 season, which really sucked right. because, like, let, let's not forget, Montreal after had an amazing 2019 season, uh, it, trending upwards and all trending in all the right ways. And then just like that, it, no season. And then I, I'm not saying that. Yeah, you know, it didn't really stop things completely, but man, it, you you felt the impact of it, and you know, just at, at least we were able to watch NFL games and NCAA games on TV. But still, like, like mm-hmm. nothing beats that live crowd participation. And again, I imagine for you guys, as I said, playing in at a empty stadium is just like, yeah, you're playing football, but to to who to to nobody. I mean, technically, yeah, and that's not. And I'm sure, you, as you saw too, I'm sure because you were watching games, you know, after the fact too, Austin. Is that you know. When we saw it on TV, we were all being fed crowd noise. You guys weren't getting that, were you? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, they had it in some stadiums. Yeah, they had it in some stadiums. But um, there was actually, um, like, Baltimore allowed a few couple thousand. So did Washington. There was a few that had, like, the sm- like that, I think 25% full limit, right? It mm-hmm. was it was weird. But, um, yeah, we I didn't hear too much of it. You know, it was, like, not during plays. It was like after, mm-hmm. but definitely TV. I never even got to see TV copies. Like, oh, I, okay. I never get to see TV copies. So I, I couldn't even relate as much as I want to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cliff. All right. Well, let's uh, continue on your NFL journey. I, I know it wasn't a long one, but you definitely made a couple stops. Uh, you, you were with the Tennessee Titans for uh, a week. <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah, man. And, stint, man. What a stint. I, I mean, did did you, did you did it even give you a hat? <laughs> when, when you sign with the team for a week, is it like okay? You you were a member, but you know, just as quickly. But thankfully, thankfully, the San Francisco 49ers came calling and brought you into the fold, which I'm very happy about as a 49ers fan. And that's actually how I got to know you, at least or hearing about you anyway. So, do, do you want to expand upon your time with the Niners just a little bit? Oh uh, yeah, man, it was a it was a good time. Uh, I mean, great organization. Got to experience uh, what it's like to go to the NFC Championship. Uh, I mean, which is crazy. Um, being around some of the pros, my locker mate was Trent Williams. Uh, I mean, so just you know, having the experience of like talking to guys like him, um, Debo, Kittle. I mean, just really cool guys, really good guys, pros, really, uh, and uh, really just unfortunate. And uh, so I definitely would would have loved to not got hurt. Definitely. Had some more time there, but you know, 
God's point. I, I, I always kind of laugh because uh, there's a, a Twitter account called Niners Nation, and they it's it's basically a, a news site for for all things San Francisco 49ers. And one of their their running themes is so and so was our future. Like for example, like uh, and it, it would also get pertain to. Uh, a lot of uh, CFL but players that went and played in the CFL. So at one point, Corey Sheets, who played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, at one point, Corey Sheets was supposed to be the future for the 49ers, and that didn't pan out. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who played for the Argos last year, uh, same idea. Niner, Niner legend, but didn't quite pan out. Uh, and now we've got you. Now, once again, Austin, you are part of a very elite group. You made a, you know, I'm going to leave, but trust me, you are part of a very elite group as the next. Like, Austin Mack was our future in, in, in San Francisco, but now you get to be the future here in Montreal, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for that. <laughs> no doubt, man. Me too. Me too. Um, and, and that, and I promise that's the end of my yeah, <laughs> 40, my 49er <laughs> fandom. I, I, I'm I'm cha- I'm tapping that out right now because, like I said, I I could talk hours upon hours with you about all things Niners. I so. can imagine, man. Um, in the in, right. in the interest of our listeners who are here for the Alouette stuff, we are now going to segue into your time here in Montreal. Yes. Uh, what um uh, had you first when when you first. Well, well, when did you first hear about the CFL? I mean, did you know much about it? Had you seen any of the games before? Had you talked to some players who had had a stint in the CFL? How did you learn about the CFL before, I guess, yeah, before coming up here? Yeah, I didn't uh, find out until, about the offer until, like, late April. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, like, no, I lied. it was like mid-April, mid-April. And then I uh, wanted to wait for uh, the NFL draft. I was going to have uh, playing a few tryouts right after the draft, see what was going on. Um, and... My agent was kind of just like, hey, what, what do you think about the CFL? And I'm like, I don't really know too much about it. Like, what, you know, what's up? Um, you know, tell me the Montreal, you know, Montreal Wets. I uh, sent over an offer, really interested. Uh, you should take a look. And I'm like, all right. I pull up some highlights, and I see these guys running to the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I, I, I'm watching these hot. I mean, they're going crazy. And, like, the ball's flying around everywhere. People are watching. you going, like, this looks crazy. Like, what's going on? And um, <laughs> it was just so funny the first time I pulled it up. But then, you know, when you dive into more, you, just, you, you get to see the fun of the game here in Canada. And, um, you know, when I finally got to get up here and, and learn it, it's not as complex as it looks. And <laughs> when you – and you never actually get, got to take a look at a game, so um, I say that's that's that was how I really got up here. Okay, uh, did you? I mean, obviously, we've had you for a couple of weeks now. Obviously, you're on the active roster. I still, I at least I still have to ask: Have you have you really gotten used to the waggle? Uh, I mean, there's some really good guys. Like, there's some people that are really good at it. So I wouldn't say I'm um, I'm a pro at it yet. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm pretty good at it though, for sure. Okay, and I'd just say take the take. You know, take the take. Mm-hmm. Now, as you mentioned before at the beginning of the interview, uh, you didn't come to Montreal first. You may have flown into Montreal, but you, <laughs> but you ended up over in uh, Trois-Rivières for training camp. Uh, I'm sure that was. Uh, how much of a culture shock was it for you? Because I don't know if you had ever been to Montreal or if you'd been or ever been to Quebec before. But how much of a culture shock was it for you? Uh, I mean, I haven't traveled too much. The only time I traveled was to Costa Rica, so. I took Spanish five in high school. Mm-hmm. I was pretty decent in Spanish, and you know, I thought I could get down, you know, in basic conversations. Man, I come up here and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And immediately needed to like download Google Translate and get French. Um, and 
I sat in immigration, guys. I mean, I landed. We sat in immigration for like four and a half hours, five hours, waiting to get our work permits. Like the the immediate like start to the trip was crazy, right? We get out to Troy Rivera the next day after that first long day, and they have us in, um, and they have us offsite. I think for a reason. And I think the CFO is pretty traditionally like this, where camps are offsite and it's you know it's pretty tough. Like two a days, like in America, two a days isn't a thing. That's I haven't done two a days since high school. <laughs> so like, but that's a staple here. So you yep. know, like little things like that is you know it's crazy. So they have us offsite in Troy Rivera, Three Rivers, um, and we're in these dorms that have no AC and it's like a cot um, that I'm sleeping on. And I'm like, whoa, it's like a five by five little cubicle, right? Like I'm talking about summer dorms back in college. And <laughs> it was like, I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. Um, you know, I had to make the stop to Walmart. First time I'm going to Walmart trying to shop and it's all French. I mean, <laughs> like crazy. But at, at the same time, like, that's when I started to really get an appreciation for like where I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause it, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm traveling, I'm in the, being a whole different country and having just a different appreciation. Like you guys, like Montreal is so close to America, but they're so different at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's now, just crazy. So, so for these Walmart excursions, like, is that when you start to make yeah. friends with your like uh, Francophone teammates uh, and just, you know, ask them to come along as like a translator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I kid you not, guys. Like I get the I get the Google Translate and I flip it over if I need to scan a word, I right, type it in like all the way. Like it's that bad, but for the most <laughs> part, you can you can kind of like I can get by now in any any grocery. Um, you know, the the subway was difficult at first, but we're good now. So mm-hmm. no, and that that's part of the adventure, right? <laughs> no doubt. Like it's just it's cool and everything's yeah. It's cool. Well, I, I have to at least ask, Austin, what, now that you've done it at camp, what was the first French word that you that you learned and that you will remember forever? Bonjour! Come on, huh? <laughs> That's the easy one. That's the easy one. <laughs> what's, what's one of the words that you learned that you learned at Walmart that, that, sta- that stands out? What product was it What that now will stick with you forever? That's a good question. Oh, uh, Polet. Chicken, chicken, right? Okay, yeah. Poulet. Yeah, yeah. Poulet. Poulet. Okay. Yeah. P-O-U-L-E-T. Yep. yep. That's right. Poulet. That's right. Yep. You got it, man. You got it. Okay, that's, that's good. Now, um, obviously, you know, being in uh, Troy Vare, it's it's a different experience. As you said, two-a-days, um, your first time being, uh, playing the, the CFL game. Uh, tell us about your experience, man, because, you know, Cliff and I were there uh, at camp for a couple of days at the very beginning stuff. So we're able to we try to get a gauge on our on our on our new players. And this is one of the years where the Alouettes really had more turnover and more new wide receivers in camp in a long, long time. Tell us about your experience going through your first ever CFL camp. I mean, first first thing I'll say is it was a grind for sure. Um, days were long. Um Practices, what, four hours? There are two a day. You know, singles were about, what, three hours and two and a half? About two, two, two and a half. And then so do meetings. I mean, long, long days. Uh, but, like, biggest thing for me going in was, you know, get the game down, get in the rhythm, um, you know, learn the playbook so comfortable with, like, not having to think too much and just mm-hmm. getting to play fast, getting to play fast, right? So, for me, man, it was – I think I was – a I think I started off as like a three. Uh, I said, coach, put me on this other field just so I can take all these reps and just learn, learn. And man, that helped a lot. Like, 
getting a bunch of reps early on in camp, really just trying to just get it all in the flow, learning the waggle, learning how you can even motion on the line, left to right, use that to an advantage. I, I deep coverage with an extra man. Um, are you the type of then, are, are you the type of player who will, who likes to run the plays over and over again, or are you the type of player who can learn uh, uh, directly from the playbook itself, or is it a combination of both? Well, I definitely yeah. See, like you can learn you can learn on you can learn like the book the playbook easily, but it's different going out there hearing somebody say it to you and then you go and apply that mm-hmm. to a field. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you take that picture that's in your head and apply it. Um, or instead of you reading the play, have somebody read that out and then you hear that whole play and process it. Like the different way, variations of having to process a play is definitely complicated. So like I'd have to mix it up all the time. You know what I mean? For me, it is getting on the field and just mentally walking through it and seeing it. Cause I'm a visual learner for sure. And, mm-hmm. and the more I do it, the more reps I get, like the more confidence I get, uh, and everything I do for sure. Do new do new playbooks because you've had obviously a couple in your career. Do new playbooks overwhelm you, or do you just go at it as if it's it's just another thing that you have to learn? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's new plays, new installs every week. There's every year, even when I was at Ohio State, there's a new something every year. Uh, it's always at the same concepts. People just call it different names. And that's everywhere, right? Everybody mm-hmm. has all hitches. <laughs> Everybody has slant flat. Right, that's just universal football. So um, when I was able to just slow it down and see see the ball for ball and just be able to play ball again and not think too much, that's when it really started to click for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. At what point did the Canadian game kind of slow down enough for you so that you feel like, okay, I've got this? Like, did it take like through preseason, or has it still not happened yet for you? I mean, do you think do you think I got the game down yet? What you think through three games? Well, listen. I mean, your your resume is a, a small one so far in the Canadian Football League, but my goodness, you! I think you've you've taken to this game extremely well. I think uh, I think Cliff day one day one uh, game one stats kind of tell tell the story right away. I mean, I, I'm trying to Austin. I'm trying to remember, and I and I still can't get the stats, man. And if I do, I promise to you, I'll get them to you. But I'm still trying to find out where you rank when it comes to first game CFL. You know. I'm just curious to know where you rank because your numbers for game one were just outstanding. And I think if nobody knew who Austin Mack was, they know now. Obviously, through three games, look look where you are. So No doubt. And the sky's the limit, you know. So it's like there's still a lot of work to be done. Like it's a long season. Uh, my goal is for sure is to play all 18. So, you know, if I can do this for 18 games, that's going to be a little bit a little bit better to better platter to, to be able to decide for sure. But. I feel pretty good. I definitely want to continue to grow um, yeah. and, be, and just be, you know, that consistent player uh, for the hours, man, helping us football games. Yeah, and, by, and and remember, you don't want to play 18. You want to play at least 20 or 21 to get, you know, we won't talk about it now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, speaking of that first game, uh, I guess the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, you got kind of your, your your Instagram kind of blew up a little bit with uh, or at least the CFL's Instagram blew up with a picture of you rocking a T-shirt featuring your offensive coordinator, Anthony Calvillo. How, how did that come about? What's the story behind that? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to have some more, too. I was supposed to have it for this last game, but, you know, nice little delay. Just, you know, wanted to ruin that. But um, what's crazy is when I actually got to learn who AC really was um, and 
I think it was like my second day in camp. And, you know, you try to, you, you're seeing everybody for the first time. Like, yeah, day one, you didn't, you saw the medical people, but day, you know, two, you really seen all the coaches and stuff. And my receiver coach goes, you know, AC's like the Tom Brady at the CFO. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like he's like the GOAT of the CFO. And I'm like, what do you think? Like this guy, like he's so humble. Like you would never, you would never have thought. Like, like for real. And I would go and look him up, and I'm just like, no, this is awesome. Like, can't I watch his highlights. I'm like, this dude was killer. Like, this man was going crazy. Like, <laughs> watching all this, watching what he was doing back in the day, and, uh, and and immediately, like, I'm a big graphic tee guy. And shout out to uh, Dreamathon man, my guy Bruce Thompson makes the best tees out there, and. Uh, I was like, bro, I need to put together an ACT. Like, we got to for week one. Got to Anderson, Montreal. And we just got to come out with some AC energy. Feel me? So, <laughs> put together the team and just rocked it for pregame. Um, definitely want to have some more, though, down the road. So, uh, look out for some. Can't wait. Can't wait. That's awesome. Yeah. I, and I, I could just imagine Anthony's look, on, like, the look on his face when he saw that. He must have been thrilled to see that. Yeah, he was appreciative. He he laughed a little bit. His uh, he told me his wife loved it too, and I even gave him a T-shirt to take home. So it was it was dope. It was dope. That's cool. Sure. Oh, that's awesome. I listen now. Now we've got to we got to get you to rock a um, Alouette's flight deck shirt, man. So we'll have to we'll have to hook that up and make that happen for you. Oh yeah, just then just you know, ship it all right over. I got you. Make all it right. happen. Cool. There you go. All right, we we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I said, so first through three games, you have your first, uh, you know, 20,000 people at Percival Molson Stadium for the opener. I mean, I don't know what you were expecting. I know, you know, pro guys go through their whole routine. They, they, uh, you know, they, certain things that they want to do pregame or things that they notice or they don't. I mean, what was your, what was your reaction seeing, uh, you know, being able to open up your CFL career in Montreal in front of 20,000 plus fans? I mean, yes, it's not, it's not the, the horseshoe, but what, what were your reactions uh, uh, to the, uh, the crowd here in Montreal? We got the, we got the, uh, we got the horns though, the horns and then the bells. That's, that's, <laughs> what's, that's the, you know, that makes the 20,000, like about 30, 35, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, uh, I'm just playing, but no, it was, a, it was an awesome atmosphere. Um, uh, for me, man, I, I prepare no different for playing in front of nobody, in front of a hundred thousand. Man, just go out there, block out the noise, and execute. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it was definitely fun to to take it in during some moments, especially when I get to you know watch our uh, the you know, best defense in the league do their thing. And uh, that's good. And they even came out last week, man. They they were out there, especially in the in the first half, man. They were out there for sure. So. Even even with the delay, so, oh, I want to ask twenty thousand. Yeah, but yeah. They, 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 they was out there. Though. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Uh, obviously, the fans, as us, uh, the fans and supporters were were under the stands. Uh, you know, because they wouldn't allow us into the stands because of the uh, the lightning delay and the the weather uh, that was happening. What's it like for you guys in uh, in the locker room? I mean. I've heard stories. I've seen, you know, news reports and stuff on, on what you guys had to go through. I mean, it's you guys are basically just sitting there waiting for the league to tell you that you can go and play, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, we were just sitting there waiting, um, trying to hear a word. Uh, there was a lot of speculation, no definitive answers really. And so, um, right around, I want to say like seven, seven ten ish, um, we got word that uh, we were going to get a thirty minute warm up, and they were going to try and start the game around nine. Uh, fast forward to about 7:45, 7:55. They they 
ended up saying like, hey, like check that. You guys got five minutes. Get dressed. We're about to go out here, warm up. And here it is. I think it was like 8.05 warm up or it was 8.10. And then we ended up starting like right around 8.40 or 8.50 or something like that. So, um, I mean, they, I did, they did a great job. Uh, timed it up well. We were able to still get the game in. Uh, uh, and it, it only got pretty bad towards the end of the game. So, uh, uh, does it, can't wait to play them again. Does, does it throw off your concentration, though? I mean, as I said, I know certain players have certain things that they have to do before a game and stuff like that. But did, did it did it throw off your concentration at all, knowing that you had to wait and and basically your everything was up in the air? Uh, I don't want to say so. No, I feel like um, I came ready to play, um, which you did <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like I came, came ready to play. Um, regardless, you know, this that's the thing, right? We were in we were in three rivers. We've been through some stuff. We've been through the mud, and that's that's what I love about this team, man. Like, um, we we no matter the circumstance, right? Or we out there, right? I mean, I think it was the third day of camp. Coach had us in out there, and and some sleet rain, and it was like twenty degrees Fahrenheit. It was it was tough, right? I mm-hmm. mean, we we we've been worse. We've been the worst, and. I think we're just built different. So, like, regardless of what you know, what, what was going to happen, we were we were good. So, uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't worried. Yeah. Have you ever played in anything that crazy before, weather wise? Or, and, and, I mean, obviously you played in New York, where I'm sure it can get cold and stuff like that. But uh, will this be one of the times where it stands out the most? No, it was just raining. It was just raining. Yeah, uh, a little thunderstorm. I've had a few delays before, but nothing before where they delayed the start of the game. I've had a few halftime delays. Mm-hmm. Halftime delays are tough, right? Because you've already started going. Um, let's say it gets delayed an hour. Ibuprofen done wore off. You got stiff now, right? Now you're mm-hmm. gonna go <laughs> yeah. play, play another half. I feel like our situation was just, you know, worst thing was my adrenaline went up because I got warmed up for the most part, and then it, you know, went back down. I think that was the only thing that I'd say like right away. But it was like it's easy to get your adrenaline back up, right? So, yeah. and you know, it was it was good to go. So. Okay, I, I do want to circle back really quick, though, Austin. Uh, you kind of had your coming out party against the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, two weeks ago. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, just absolutely phenomenal. Bo- both of them were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I I have to ask, I, I, as far as professional touchdowns go, what was the like the little spin move you put on the ball after after you scored the touchdown? Was that something you've always done, or is that something that you use, you're doing strictly for the CFL? It's it's strictly for the CFL. The sellies be calculated, guys. Don't definitely tune in for sure. All right, all right. Oh, highlight reel. I'm gonna love it. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm expecting plenty more out of you. I mean, you you gave us a taste, and now we want more. We want more of those kind of touchdowns. We want to see more sellies. So uh, we're we're here for it. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> and that's why we. And I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of the pod, uh, the interview, that we've actually anointed you with the hashtag #LaBigMac. So you will see it on social whenever we tag you. You are now known, Austin, as uh, the Big Mac. We better get it. We better get that sponsorship from McDonald's next. <laughs> I'm saying that's that's got to be done, man. Hey, and I got to ask you another quick aside. How much money are you saving living rent free in Chris Edwards' head after that nonsense he pulled with you? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Isn't that crazy? That's never happened to me before. But I, I mean, I couldn't do anything but laugh and still laugh to this day. So, I, I, I mean, that was just absolutely uncalled for. I mean, there's just all, 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 all I'm going to say is clowns are going to clown, and that's that was a clown move on his part. 
What's crazy is I heard I heard that wasn't like that's that's something he does. Like he I heard he fought like a fan. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. He 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 he's kind of gotten into it with uh, fans in the past. When he was with uh, last year, he was with Toronto. So he he's he's won Grey Cups, you know, and also to just you know acting acting the fool. But I mean, listen, it it is what it is. It's just unfortunate that he had to try to pull that nonsense with you, but. Clearly, you got into his head. You clearly got you got into all the Tiger Cats' heads with your play la- the, two weeks ago. So uh, I would I would consider that a badge of honor, quite frankly. No, it's, um, I wouldn't right. even say that, man. It's, it's, I think it's just the way that we play. You know, mm-hmm. just got to the Montreal the way that Coach Moss been trying to preach for real. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Just uh, yeah, it, it's obviously working. I mean, uh, you know what you guys have been able to accomplish so far. I mean, it's. It's very encouraging to see what we have seen, and uh, as long as you keep the good times going, that's really what matters. Okay, Austin. uh, Well, I mean, listen, we've spoken quite a bit. We could probably talk for hours upon hours, but you've been more than than gracious with your time with us. Uh, Obviously, Grey Cup is the goal, without question. But do you personally have any goals that you'd like to achieve this year in the 2023 season? Oh, for sure. Uh, Definitely have a lot of them. Uh, for me, uh, I definitely won't keep those to myself, but definitely I'd say one I'd give out is because I am considered a rookie, rookie of the year for sure. That's that's definitely one I'm coming for. So one of the ones I'm coming for. So I'll just say that. Well, listen, I mean, the, the way you've been playing, I mean, it's it really won't be. It's, it's just a matter of time before you become an actual household name in Canada, which, again, is it's just going to look good on you when you go back home as, as far as I'm concerned. So. The, the chance for you to, to become that superstar that we'd expected in San Francisco, their loss, as far as I'm concerned, is the Alouettes gain. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. I'm very excited to see how this season turns out for you. And, man, listen, just keep balling out, my man. That That's all we can ask from you. That's all Alouettes the Nation can ask from you. And uh, we're, we're extremely excited to know that number 81 is in the house each and every day. No doubt, my man. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the love. Appreciate you guys having me. All right. And uh, really quick, uh, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, how do, how do they do that? Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is uh, at Austin underscore Mac 11. Um, and then the same thing for Twitter. Um, I said it's just two underscores, I think. I think or is it this one? Let me check. I just do one. Actually, yeah, it's uh, Austin <laughs> underscore underscore Mac 11. So. Yeah. so it's two for Twitter, one for Instagram. Um, yes, sir. Follow your boy. All right. Alois Nation, you heard the man. Follow follow your boy. <laughs> That's the man right there. That's Austin Mack. You know him. You're going to love him. Austin, once again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Alois Flight Deck. We greatly appreciate it, and we are definitely looking forward to seeing what happens throughout the rest of the regular season and beyond. Absolutely, guys. Man, appreciate you guys having me. Have a good night. Peace. I always love talking to the new guys, Cliff. I really do because it's it's a you know it's a good way for us to get to know them a little bit more. You know, yes, we could see what they're able to do on the field. You know, whether they are a uh, you know a a starter, whether they are a uh, you know, special teams guru or whatnot. Just getting to know these new players uh, from Alouettes Nation are it's just so fun. Oh, hundred percent. And Austin's just a a good dude. A baller on the field, and you can tell that he's someone who's really embracing the Montreal aspect of the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, not just d- diving into the history of the team and learning about you know guys from back in the day, including his offensive coordinator Anthony Calvillo, and realizing, oh man, like 
we've we've got the goat here, and he's my offensive coordinator. That's that's amazing. So, for for him to embrace that and embrace the the history of the Alouettes and Purdue's jumping in full force with two with two feet, absolutely outstanding. So we're definitely appreciative of Austin coming on to the flight deck, joining us. And uh, man, we uh, we're we're excited to see where he goes this year and just able to take this team to another level. And you know that Austin Mack is going to be a big part of it in 2023. Yeah, for sure. Um, BC, Montreal. Uh, now, mind you, just as a quick aside, you know, only day one as we were taping this for, uh, you know, the Alouettes have only had one practice. And uh, Stanback was limited. Deion Ruffin was limited. Deion, you know, Deion, Deontay was was one of the ones on the one game last week. Uh, Siante Evans so far has not played. He, he, he was a DNP this uh, so far. Uh, Pierre Olivier Lestage was at back, back at full, and so was Avery Williams. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we got a couple more practices to go. I'm hoping to be at at the practice on Friday, which is being held over at uh, the. Um, uh, over the uh, the Big O Annex Field, so it's not they're not practicing this week over at uh, at Perfil Molson because it's not a home game. But but still, dude, I mean the Alouettes are going to a place where they've lost seventeen of their last twenty games. Um, it, it's hard, you know. I know you've brought it up before, talking about how, you know, and people have said too, is that, you know, heading out west, you lose three, you know, three hours. It's it's this that the other. It's not all not all western teams are as bad coming east but i mean it's i don't know it's it's the owls got to do something and i guess it's something you brought up to me um in our pre-game uh, chat is that this is the very first time in the post-covid era that the alouettes are traveling out to bc yeah last, last time they played out in bc place was in 2019 and yes unfortunately the alouettes lost uh and it's kind of funny because that year the alouettes they were on one like the it was the rebirth if you will of alouette's football like they were finally getting their act together they were playing outstanding football uh unfortunately i seem to recall uh vernon adams was supposed to be the quarterback for the alouette's that game but got himself suspended after playing winnipeg we there seems to be a theme here <laughs> play the blue bombers at at personal molson and then go out to win uh to to vancouver the next week History is repeating itself, man. And I hope one thing changes, though, in the sense that that in 2019, the Alouettes won a thriller against the Blue Bombers at home and then went out and nearly won against the BC Lions. But unfortunately, uh, Vernon Adams didn't play and uh, the Alouettes just they came close, but just couldn't quite get over that hump and, and, and get the W. But Vernon Adams will be a part of this game, but not for the Alouettes. That's true. Now he's he's the starting quarterback for the BC Lions. Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to be an interesting bit of history repeating itself in so many different ways. But uh, yeah, uh, again, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, that that BC curse. I, I don't believe in curses, just to let you know. But it's, it's just there's so many reasons why the Alouettes just rarely win out in BC Place. But I want to believe that this team this year is. Is just that it's that much different where you just never know. Like this could be the the year where they they go back to BC for the first time in four years and they win the game. Mm-hmm. That could very well happen. And you got two teams that are playing against each other that are both that were both embarrassed, quite frankly, by their opponents last week and are back to having to prove themselves again to everybody. And 
it's going to make for an interesting match for sure. Uh, you have to believe Vernon Adams. One, he's playing his former team, who I believe he doesn't have any ill will towards, but at the same time, he's got to be upset at his less than stellar performance against the Toronto Argonauts. And much like the the Blue, Winnipeg Blue Bombers were supposedly going to take things out on the Alouettes, I think the BC Lions is going to want to do the same thing. But let's not forget, Tim, the Alouettes, too, have to have been embarrassed by their less than stellar performance against the Blue Bombers. So mm-hmm. they're going into this match, too, with a bit of a chip on their shoulder as well. So it's going to make for a very spirited affair, I think. I, I think this could be sneakily one of the good, the really good games of this week. So I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, and best thing, too, is that it will be, you know, it will be the Alouettes' first uh, Sunday night, uh, this, this new schedule. It will be their first Sunday night football game. Um, the first Sunday game in BC since 2013. Um, they, they may be the underdogs again, but dude, I mean, it's a, again, people need to look at the practice reports. Let's see what, let's see who's going to be back. I'm sure, you know, they'll make the adjustments. They will, I'm dude, you can, you cannot tell me that they are not going to go over and over the tape of, of, of BC's loss to Toronto just to try to find something. You know they're going to do this. And remember, this is the second time. You know, this will technically be, the, I think, Vernon's first start versus the Alouettes since he was traded. Because remember, he did he did play versus the Alouettes here in Montreal last year, but that was in a backup role. So right. th- it'll it'll be interesting. But again, they're they're going to be looking at that tape for sure, for sure. And I, I can just imagine that you know what they're going to try to find. Mm-hmm. And once again, you've got two teams coming in that have a lot to prove that have a now all of a sudden people were were singing the praises of the BC lions and the Montreal Alouettes to start and just starting to wonder, did, did Cinderella turn into a pumpkin has clock struck midnight for the BC lions and for the Montreal Alouettes. Both teams are going to tell you, hell no, it has not. This is far from over. And that's the mindset you got to go in with is it's still early. It's still so early in this season, but almost immediately you have to, you have to believe that this, both of these teams are, in that win now th- thought they, they, they've got to think, okay, we've got to, we don't want to get on the Schneid. We, we want to mm-hmm. get off this nonsense. We, we got to prove ourselves immediately. And both teams are going to be coming in very inspired. And you know, both teams do have a lot of potential firepower offensively and defense too. Like both of these teams are very good defensively. So this could be a really tightly contested affair. Yeah. Or, ex- yeah. or it could be a complete blowout. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. You just don't know what to expect out of these two teams. I think what people need to remember too, yeah, even though even though the result last week, through three games, the Alouettes have only given up two offensive touchdowns. Two offensive touchdowns. That's it. Yeah, but uh, you're also letting your quarterback get sacked an average of five times. That, which that is bad. Is... Yes, that that's bad too. But I mean, it. Uh, I, I I'm I'm almost certain that they can score more than three points. Uh, this, this this week versus versus BC, but again, I'm I'm looking for a great game, and uh, you know, Alouettes. Sure, it, it, there's no surprise that the Alouettes are the underdog going to this. You know, according to DraftKings, the the Lions are a seven point favorite, uh, over under a forty five and a half. Um, you know, there's no surprise there, just based off the history itself. Um, but again, again, Coach Thorpe and the coaching staff. You know, so the defensive coaching staff. I can just imagine how much they're going to go over again for the third time. I'm saying this. How much they're going to go over that that footage from uh, from the game on Monday? Yeah, no, I, I said we are we are and we always will be huge fans of Vernon Adams, regardless of the colors he wears. But yeah, I mean, truthfully, I, I mean, we want the best for Vernon. We really do. But I mean, 
you, you take a look at that performance and you know Noel Thorpe has got to be licking his chops. You know he's got to be thinking, okay, if that's what Toronto can do to this guy, imagine what our defense can do. And I, I definitely expect Vernon to get tested early and often. And you know what? It, it's one of those games where he'll either sink or swim. And I, I can't help but think he's he's going to swim. He's going to do everything he can to make sure he swims. And he proves himself against his former team. Like I, I think he's going to be that much motivated to prove that, you know, you guys made a huge mistake in letting me go, and look at what I'm doing now here in BC. And he's gonna want he's gonna want to make notice of that. He's gonna make you make you pay attention to that. So it's one of the many many interesting wrinkles of this game. Uh, I mean, if this defense that played against Winnipeg shows up, then I, I definitely like Montreal's odds. It really just comes down to now the, the offense really has to get clicking and really has to pay attention. And for God's sakes, protect Cody Fajardo because. Mm-hmm. You give him the chance to work, he does really good things. But my goodness, this guy should not be running for his life. This guy should not be bumping into uh, uh, offensive linemen. I mean, like, like the this guy needs protection. I, I keep saying that this offensive line is worlds better than what they have out in Saskatchewan. And so far, there, there's very little to suggest that I was right in that in that assessment. So please prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that this was this this is that this offensive line. Is better than what I've been saying. I mean, you you got to protect the quarterback. You got to give him space to work. Because once you do, you get those amazing passes to Keon Julian Grant. You see what how Austin Mack has been able to make plays happen. Hell, handing off the ball to either William Stanback or William uh, William Stanback or Walter Fletcher. Those guys too give him the chance. Create some lanes for those guys. They can make magic happen. This offense has the potential to go off, but you got to give them space to work, and that really does fall on the offensive line. Like it. As far as they, they will, the Alouettes will go as far as what this line will take them. Mm-hmm. And, and at this point, like just put points on the board, more than three if you can. That'd be really nice. It but would be. You nice. got us. You truly, truly have to put points on the board, especially against a high power offense like what the BC Lions has. And you know that the defense is going to be stingy as well. So every point is going to have to be earned. But you've got to put points on the board. Full stop. Yeah, I agree with you. It's gonna it's gonna be a good game. Again, the the game will be Sunday night, um, the last game of the week. You know, uh, I know they're not really promoting it as Sunday night football. I really wish they would. I think the CFLs kind of dropped the ball on this one. They could have made it their own, their newest own. You know, their newest big thing like they do for, uh, you know, in the hundred yard game. Um, but or, or, yeah, you know. or even the the fact that they promote uh, Thursday night football the way they do. I mean, you. Could, just as easily put some of that energy into Sunday night football. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And you know what? People are tuning in. People are tuning into the Alouettes and, and, and wanting to see them. I mean, have you noticed that CBS Sports Network, I think, has carried every Alouettes game so far? So far. I, I, don't, see, I, I don't know what happened with last week's game. Well, what, did, what did CBS Sports Network put before they kicked off the game last week? Did you, were you able to speak with anybody in the States who were, who were watching the game? Because I'm curious to know what, they, what they've done with, for, uh, for last week. Uh, I'm I'm not sure to be honest with you. I I didn't actually, but just the, the idea, the, the the thought that CBS Sports Network is carrying the Alouettes. Like I, I kind of joke, our our buddy Reed over at the Markcast uh, has dubbed the BC Lions America's CFL team. But I mean, the Alouettes have played every one of their games on CBS Sports Network, so maybe the Alouettes are starting to become <laughs> America's CFL team. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're certainly getting a lot of viewers. They're, they're certainly getting a lot of people. They're getting a lot of eyes on the product. So exactly. 
Yeah, no, I don't. I know what you're saying, man. <laughs> um, obviously, we want we wish the best for the Alouettes this week. Don't want them to look ahead to the to the game versus the undefeated Toronto Argonauts for the next home game next week. Um, do uh, do look at our socials. Uh, we will launch uh, the uh, uh, the um, the contest that what we normally do for the contest for the sport buff flight crew seats. And we're going to try to launch that early this week. So you'll have time to uh, decide if you're going to go to the game on Friday, because it is an earlier game, but, but again, stay tuned for that on our socials and uh, you know, hope to have, again, we get happy to have Austin Mack on this week. We'll, we'll see what we have next week, but I mean, if you want to chime in and uh, suggest who we should have, let, let us know. You can contact me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdeck.ca. You can contact Cliff at cliffyd.pine at alouettesflightdeck.ca. Uh, we're curious to know who would, what you guys want to hear and who you, who you guys want to uh, want us to talk with or what you want us to talk about. Always great to hear, hear from the fans. Yeah, and also too, if you're if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you leave, like, subscribe, leave comments uh, below as well. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and uh, absolutely reach us out to us on social media, whether it's via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know what we're doing right, and let us know what we're doing wrong, if anything. So, like, it's all about you, the fans. We, we've said it before, and we'll say it again. We do this show for you guys. So, if you like what we're doing, tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell everybody. And if you don't like what we're doing, then tell us. Exactly. So we'll see you guys next week as we talk about the, the what happens in this week's game versus the BC Lions and to preview the upcoming game versus the uh, undefeated Toronto Argonauts. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take off! Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.